0: Thanks for tuning in to Hungry Gen Audio Podcast. It would mean the world to us if you could help us spread the gospel message of Jesus by subscribing to, sharing, and leaving a review on this podcast. We are believing to see thousands saved locally and millions globally. Thanks and enjoy this week's message. Six principles of prayer. Number one is prayer is an overflow of our walk with God. Prayer is not a walk with God. It's an overflow. So prayer is an overflow of our walk with God. In Acts chapter 4, verse 24, it says, When they heard that, they raised their voice with God, to God, with one accord, and said, Lord, you are God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. Acts chapter 4, verse 24. We see the disciples, they were filled with Holy Spirit. They already were bold. The Pharisees said this about them. They said, We see that they've been with Jesus. So it's interesting that Pharisees, the religious rulers, they call disciples as someone who's been with Jesus, they've been bold, they walked with Jesus, they were um, filled with joy, they were filled with faith, and then they got beaten, they got persecuted. They come and they raise their voice and pray, and they, and they quote the scripture to the Lord. So they quote the Bible to Jesus in prayer. And then the Bible says afterwards God filled them again with the Spirit and the place that they were in was shaken. And so I want you to notice that prayer is just an extension of a walk with God. It's not the walk with God. You cannot equal prayer to your walk with God. And when I say prayer, I mean that specific time that we pray. The Bible does say pray without ceasing, you know, constantly keep God in your mind, da da da. And so, but I'm talking about that prayer time, that devotions. And I like to, and I, I, I coined that thought from um, Keith Green. He had, a, he had a teaching called Devotion versus Devotions. Long time ago, I heard that. Um, and it really kind of changed my perspective about my prayer time. Keith Green has a teaching called Devotions versus Devotion. And he said this, he says, Devotion is your life committed to the Lord. He says, this is your secret. This is what God looks at. Devotions is the time you set apart to be with the Lord. And he says, devotions, they overflow from your devotion. But he says, devotions, they don't equal your devotion to God. So you have to see your relationship with God as not your devotions but as your devotion to God. God sees you in the terms of your commitment to Him, not your commitment to prayer. This changes everything. And therefore, therefore, it explains why some people can have a great relationship with God and not have a great prayer life. Now, at first, it will seem like I'm going to contradict the rest of the five points. I'm not. Because this is the foundation. Now, how many of you know that you have a house and foundation is not the only thing that's in the house? Like, if you have a great foundation, you're not necessarily gonna live there. You need to have walls and the roof. So, but without, this is the foundation. The other principles of prayer are just the walls and the roof, but this is the foundation. The foundation is this, is that your relationship with God is not contingent. It's not based or built on your prayer life. It's based And your commitment to Him, and your trust in Him, and the fact that you understand He loves you unconditionally, you're saved by His blood, you're you're indwelled by His Spirit, you're infilled by the Holy Spirit, and that, and you can go for days, there are people that will go for days and without weeks, and while they still need to pray, but their relationship with God is intact, and God can speak to them, you're like, well, but that's just not fair, how come they didn't pray? Their understanding of their relationship with God is what saves them. And that is a proper understanding, is that you walk, you live, and you breathe with God. You're committed to Him, whether you pray or you don't. You're constantly, it's, it's like marriage. Okay, I can be in Ukraine for, let's say, I can go to a trip to Ukraine for two weeks and not see my wife. Okay, I am not in any way divorced from her. Actually, I, I can talk about her in Ukraine. I can post about her, and I can still be in a great relationship with my wife even though I haven't seen, with her, seen her. why? Because it's based on the covenant. It's not based on the time we're currently spending. Wow. And so we have to change that. Now, this, again, is not a license like, well, great. I always felt that that's one of the reasons why I don't pray. <laughs> no, that's not. Thank you, Vlad. Can we end at this point? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got happy for a moment, yeah. And so, so all, all of you who are not consistent with your prayer, this is really the only time you, I'm going to give you to breathe and, and to say, okay, praise God. I, but honestly, that's that's scriptural. This is scriptural. This there is no verse in the Bible where we are told to pray every day. There's not one verse. The first commandment has nothing to do with praying regularly. It has to do with loving God. It's not limited to a time you spend with Him. It's limited to the condition of your heart. It's limited to the posture. your soul it's limited to your mindset how do you see God how do you view him when you are do you separate your prayer from the rest of your life as being committed to him or your whole life is wrapped in this thing my life belongs to him and the Bible says whether I eat live drink um, whatever I do I do it as unto the Lord so that speaks of that is prayer is an overflow if you don't learn to walk with God there's a book called um, Brother La- La- Lawrence. Man, it uh, skips my mind. Brother Lawrence, it's, a very, it's, it's written by a monk. Uh, I think it's called the, the, the Practice of the Presence, yeah. 30 pages or, or 50 pages, very short book. Pretty much this guy describes his inner thoughts toward God as a monk. It's one of the Christian classics and what it means, it's called "The Practice of the Presence, The Practice of the Presence, Brother Lawrence Lawrence. And it's a book that helps to honestly strip that whole thing, that there is a time when I'm on my knees, that's when I'm really with God to when he would sweep the um, the, the floor, the road, he would the way he would have his conversations with God, they were not even verbal. and it's very like... It's a very, very powerful book because all of us have to get to that point where we take God out of the 30-minute slot that we try to squeeze Him in. And then when we leave, it's almost like we're disconnected or we somehow feel like that is the only thing where I'm getting the points with God is when I'm praying. And when I'm in the gym, when I am in the coffee shop, when I'm interacting with people, when I'm fulfilling my duties as a husband, when I'm fulfilling my, my duties as a man of God, as a worker, that is somehow is a, in competition with this time I have with God. I cannot know God through nature. I can only know Him through the prayer passing back and forth in between the pews at Hungry Gen. And so um, if we take that out and see that we can know God throughout the day, throughout the night, always, it changes the prayer life too. Uh, prayer doesn't seem like the only time where we see Him, seek Him, sense Him, are with Him. It's just an overflow of our relationship with the Lord, so that's that's the first thing, and I wanted to kind of highlight that a little bit more. Let me go through. It's, it's it that is the book. It's just a devotion. Oh no, we have to show to the leaders meeting first, and then after that I'll introduce it. Yeah, don't don't jump ahead of it. let not... Uh-huh. yeah leaders. yeah, yeah. see in the realm is is gonna be in leaders meeting, yeah. But the Brother Lawrence, Brother Lawrence, the practice of the presence, and then uh, Keith Green has a, has a message called uh devotion versus devotions. It's it's a video message, it's not a book. The, and he I think has a blog, Devotions versus Devotion. Uh Keith number t- Green isn't like the, the mm-hmm. he yeah. 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 yeah, he died like a thirty something or he's yeah. yeah, but he has a video. Yeah. Yeah, here, uh, there's a written written version of it, but I'm not sure if it's on oh, his okay. website. Yeah, like, eh. no, the video. I watched the video, and I think that I I think I read the blog, and, but I'm not sure if it's on his website. I just saw the written like a transcript. No, 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 no. Same the same one. guy. Yeah, yeah. Lord, you're beautiful. Uh, author yeah. of the Lord, you're beautiful song, and so um, the, the second one. And that is another layer of the foundation of prayer. And this has to be huge. I had a guy come in yesterday, and he's like, man, I, I missed the prayer uh, last week. I didn't pray as much as I should have. I, read, I didn't read the Bible as much as I should have. I missed the small groups. He'd just been coming to our church for four weeks, new to our church. And he said, man, I just feel guilty. I really need some help. And, and this second truth, uh, first one is this one, and the second one is really the key to that. And that is that God loves our presence more than we love His. The second truth to prayer, the second principle of prayer and it's more of a spiritual ideology that God loves our presence more than we love His. We have to understand um, at the foundation of our relationship with God and that is this, God really did not create us because He needed something. He simply wanted us. He wanted us. He um, the scripture says in in Peter, it says that your chosen generation, royal priesthoods, His holy people, it says to proclaim the praises of Him. Mm-hmm. So God created us for His pleasure. Now, this sounds cute and stuff, but let me give you the verses to prove that. And I want you to open these verses. The reason why I, just, I don't want to just quote them because I want you to see that for yourself. The first one is Psalm 149 verse 4. So if somebody can open the Psalm 149 verse 4. And the second one, is Zephaniah 3:17. So somebody can open Zephaniah 3:17 and the third verse is John 3:16 if somebody can open John 3:16. So whoever has the first one if you can read it. 1:49:4. the Lord take pleasure in his people. He will beautify the meek with salvation. Could you read something that doesn't use taketh uh, like may, maybe like New King can you get the New King James? Yeah, or like um, is there is there So, does anybody else have a different translation for 149.4 after Victoria reads it? Can you read the New King James? (coughs) Uh, 149.4. Oh, the second was Zephaniah 3.17. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people, he will beautify the humble with salvation. Oh, okay. Sounds good. Anybody has a different translation for that? Uh huh. For the Lord delights in his people. He crowns the humble with victory. So he delights. He takes pleasure. Any uh, there's a, anybody else has a different word for that for uh, Psalm 149 verse 4. Mm, delights. Delights takes pleasure. Okay. So the same. So uh the the first component is this. What I want you what I want you to catch is this. God delights. God has pleasure. Now, it's harder to c- honestly comprehend that. So let me give you a a picture. Have you seen a father take pleasure in their infants, in the infant child? Now, have you seen the, the father play with an infant child and the child doesn't have a degree? The child has not done any household chores. The child necessarily doesn't deserve it. Like if we could use the, from an employee to employee, it, this wasn't an, a reward or a payment. This wasn't a, uh, an award. Hey, I'm, I am delighting in you because you, you were so, so successful. Like you woke up three days in a row in time. Like you did so good. As the child did nothing to deserve the delight and the pleasure of the father. It's the mere existence of the child. The presence of the child is the source of the pleasure of the Father. And that's exactly what God says here. He simply has pleasure in His people. The Bible says in one time, He even has pleasure in the prosperity of His servants. Now, if you're not convinced, let's go to Zephaniah 3.17. somebody can read that, please. Can we read the New King James? The Lord your God in your midst, the mighty one will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. So we are usually used to being in his presence and we're singing to him. I want you to see something else here where he is in our presence and singing over us. Look through the verse again. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with His love and He will rejoice over you with singing. God starts to sing over you. And that's His presence. That's Him delighting in us. So prayer is less about me going to get God's presence. It's me giving God a chance to enjoy mine. So if you don't spend time with Him, you deprive Him of that pleasure kind of changes the motive for that. And the most famous verse is the one that we all know and memorize. It's John 3, 16. And it says, For God so loved the world. Now, we need to stop on that so loved. So He didn't just love. He didn't just out of compassion. He didn't just out of mercy, out of um, sheer feeling bad for humans. So loved. Not just love. So loved. So God... God's motive for giving His Son is really deep love. And this has to run through the revelation inside of our heart, and that is this. I am deeply loved, deeply. God deeply finds pleasure in me. If you don't get this through this thick skull right here, you'll never, ever last consistently in your relationship with God. Never. Because there will always be this thing, I'm not good enough. I don't measure up. There's always will be, oh, I missed it one time. He doesn't love me no more. And will lead to missing it uh, one week, one month. And, and then there's always going to be this, you know, you, you're fighting to earn it. And sooner or later, that will dry you up. Sooner or later, that will destroy you. Sooner or later, it is works mentality. And so, and people who look at me sometimes like, man, you're disciplined. What runs? My, what gets me up in the morning, it's this stronghold I have in my mind. I have a stronghold. And the stronghold is this, is that God loves me. It's what changed my my life. I was so insecure before about my appearance. I was so insecure about really feeling like I didn't belong anywhere because of my accent, because of my eyes, because of my, you know, lack of education, because of my lack of this and lack of that. This thing, this truth, totally took me out of I'm no good, I'm worthless, I'm ugly, I'll never get married to the place that I'm in today, is He loves me in spite of me. He loves me for who I am. And I remember when I was praying one time, I said, Lord, you know, heal my eyes and everything, and i really felt this, this overwhelming love, and, and I've almost felt this in my heart. I can't give you a verse for that, but it, it just felt it. He said, what if I like you the way you are? He said, what if I don't have a problem with that? He said, why does that bother you? What if just, just the way you are, I Enjoy you like that and I said well, but the other people he's like who is the other people? I am God I Feel the universe I am you know, I am Elohim. I am I'm the I'm the big guy And why do you why are you bothered by other smaller little people's opinions? And that really became my stronghold and that today is a driving force for my relationship with God and I just pray that if you lack the drive and the motivation for prayer What what is your stronghold? What is the thing that you have behind the scenes there? There's driving. So you can come right here. There's a spot right here. Yeah. Well, what is the thing that drives it? Is it fear? Is it religion? Is it like some kind of a works mentality that you're trying to constantly earn? And maybe that's why you're, you're maybe like feel like you're burned out or, or this and that. And if you don't have that, you will be burned out. Because the only thing that can sustain lasting, I'm talking about decade, decades. I'm talking about once when maybe you're not going to be on the staff. I'm talking about years down the road. It's not going to be like, well, I need to pray. Why? Because somebody somebody's going to be like watching him. I think, but, but this thing that I'm loved, I am loved. And he wants to be with me. He chases me. He pursues me. And it's me just responding. I'm not trying to initiate his love. I'm just trying to respond. I'm trying to respond to that love and to that passion of his that he has toward me. And so that's the second principle. The third principle of prayer. And that is we go to prayer to be with God not to find him we go to prayer to be with God not to find him prayer has its you know importance petition intercession Thanksgiving confession of sins A prayer has that place where we are you know speaking in tongues but the core of it is to be with God I want you to open uh, let's have somebody open Matthew 66 6, and somebody else open Exodus 2412 so Matthew 66 6, could you open uh, uh, Exodus twenty four twelve and can somebody open Matthew six six and if you could be kind to read it in the New King James uh, version. Who has Matthew six six 24.12 Yeah. So when you pray go to your room shut the door behind you, pray to your father who is in the secret place, and your father who sees you in secret will reward you openly. So when you pray, go to your room, shut the door behind you, pray to your father who is where? Okay, We you notice that in Matthew 6, Jesus talks about pray to your father who is in before, who is in heaven. Okay. In here, he says, when you go to your room, pray to your father, who is where? He just moved from there to here. What is that secret place? It's where you're at. You close the door. You focused on Him, pray to your Father, and I love the fact that Jesus does not say, pray to your Father who is in heaven. So He is already there where you're at. He's not just watching you there from heaven, and then He's going to reward you publicly. He says, pray to your Father who is in secret place. So you go to prayer, not to find Him. You go to prayer, because He's already there. So you have to think of prayer like that is I don't go to chase for him. Now, the Bible does say to seek the Lord. The Bible does say to pursue the Lord. So what does that really mean? It does not mean that he plays hide and seek. Yes, it does say that it's the glory of of kings to uh, search the matter out. It's the glory of the Lord to hide the matter. Um, God does not hide from us. He hides for us. But how does he do that? So when I seek my wife, it does not mean that she's somewhere in the closet in my house and I need to figure out which one she hid herself. When the husband, let me let me replace the word seek with pursue. When a man pursues a woman, does that mean he's chasing her down the park because she's running from him? <laughs> 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 it could be, but that's an thing. are you talking about? There's a different uh, depth and an understanding. Yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> the woman at uh, the park and the woman with her wife. <laughs> If 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 you you're chasing a woman like that, you either uh, you either have a you, you, you either have a big problem, yeah. You need deliverance, huh? Yeah, or you or you're six. You're six years of age. But typically, when a man pursues his wife, it does not mean it does not mean a physical proximity. It means emotional proximity. It means an emotional pursuit. So it means physically the person is here. I'm emotionally trying to come to that same place. So when God wants us to pursue Him, it does not mean God is distant somewhere. It just means that God wants us emotionally, mentally, in the heart, to be in a constant awe, pursuit, chase, as a deer longs for, uh, for the stream brooks, that my soul longs for God. And so that removes the striving from trying to get God down to my prayer room. It completely takes it off. Where you love, you come with this mindset. He's already here. He's already here. So the goal now is not for him to come here. It's just for me to get my butt out of my bed and to drag it here. That's the goal. The goal is not to bring him here because he's already in the secret place as I got there. And one of the reasons he wants us to close the door is because married folk know intimacy happens behind closed doors and God wants intimacy. And so, and if we read the Second Kings, uh, uh, the Kings chapter. Uh, I, I, I apologize. Exodus twenty four twelve. Whoever has that in New King James. Twenty four twelve. Yes, ma'am. Then the Lord said to Moses, "Come up to me on the mountain and be there, and I will give you tablets of stone and the law and commandments which I have written, that you may teach them." so notice how the lord said to moses come up to the mountain and what and be there be there there. Mm -hmm. he didn't say pray he didn't say he just said be there and then moses went up there the scripture actually says the cloud of the lord descended and for seven days he was just there and god completely lost track of time and um, didn't care about time and then he says this he says once you're there you're not, it's not going to be a waste of time. And the reason why is because I will give you the law that are written on the tablets, the commandments, and the statutes. And he says, and then you're going to teach them. Meaning everything you're going to teach it's because you went to be there with him. And so um, there's a power of being there. You know, there are people who get abducted by aliens, who claim to be abducted by aliens. They come back with interesting information about the world. Um, there is stories about the giants, the watchers, the people who left their abode in the heavenly realm and came to Sodom. It's one of the reasons they're saying that God destroyed Sodom. It wasn't just because of their wickedness. It's because of the information that was shared by the beings that were spiritual. They brought this intelligence into Sodom and people start really doing things based on this intelligence. And God did not want our world to come building this world and the intelligence that come from other sources that's not Him, especially those sources that rebelled against Him. But please understand, make no mistake, God is completely open to share secrets, His intelligence, His wisdom and His insight with this world and He wants to be the only one. almost like He exclusively offers Himself to the humans and He does not want us to go to the lesser beings, especially the ones in rebellion to Him, to get information from. And so you're not just coming in to enjoy His love, coming out, feeling a little bit better, on a higher mood, better mood, because you know, then that's reducing God to a drug. God is not a drug. God is not a high that you feel, but you surely will feel better. And so coming to his presence to be with him instead of just to find him, makes a huge difference in prayer. And now let's kind of dive into practical thing number four, um, and that is we pray in the spirit. One of the ways we access that information, one of the ways we access his heart, one of the ways we access that realm is in prayer, praying in the spirit. In 1 Samuel chapter 30 verse six, David says that David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. So the way you can strengthen yourself automatically the way you can build your own spirit in prayer is to praying in the spirit. Ephesians 3:16, it says that according to the, great, to the riches of His glory, be strengthened with might through His spirit, so you can strengthen yourself through His spirit in the inner man. It's not saying God will strengthen you. So First uh, Samuel 36 and Ephesians chapter 3 verse 16. Um, I want you to notice the common, den- uh, common denominator in these two more verses, Jude: 120 and 1 Corinthians 14:4. So 1 Samuel 36, David strengthened himself in the Lord. Ephesians 3.16, be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. Ephesians 3.16, Jude 1.20, it says, build yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the spirit. And 1 Corinthians 14.4, he who speaks in the tongue edifies or builds himself up. So this is God giving us permission to turn prayer into a gym, turn prayer into a working out session. The problem with us a lot of times in prayer is where our spirit muscles are weak and our emotional muscles are big. And how you know that is when your emotions begin to dictate the truth to you. Your mood becomes Lord in prayer. God doesn't love you. You're far from God. Look at all the bad stuff that is happening you probably have a demon um, you know you're cursed um, and all of this stuff and what happens it's emotions telling you based emotions your soulish person knows only the circumstances. So based on that it runs the algorithm it runs everything and it comes to you with this thing I have come to the conclusion your life sucks okay and honestly like and you because of that, you dissect where the emotions got that information like you know you're right actually yeah i was the bad over there my car broke down my finances are struggling i'm not in a relationship um yeah i'm being overlooked i did not get recognized there um i have trouble with this i have trouble with that you know what actually my life's always been like that yeah i suck Uh, actually my life is is really really terrible but there is a spirit being there and the bible says that when you walk into prayer you can pick up the gear so prayer is not also this thing where I just come in and I just wait because if you do that a lot of times the emotions can take over and emotions can be very deadly prayer is also this thing where I take the the weights and I begin to build and God says this I am not going to build you God says you do that yourself by what praying in the Holy Ghost so you pray until what until emotions shut up and the spirit starts speaking because typically what happens in prayer is this, the spirit doesn't speak and only emotions do. And then the mood takes you on this roller coaster and this maze and it gets confused. And so that's what you do is you pray through. Uh, Corey Russell recommends praying for 20 minutes nonstop. He says, and within 20 minutes, your emotions quiet down. You can try with 15 non-stop. And first five, six minutes, your mind plays tricks on you. It's distracting. It's taking you on the bunny trail. Still don't stop. Why? Because it's just you breaking through the turbulence of this emotional cloud that you're in. You're an emotional being as well. You're not just a spiritual being, you have emotions. And so I just wanna encourage you, push through that in prayer. When you don't know how to do it and you feel especially mostly distraught. And just pray, 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 until something snaps. And then everything just clear. And what happened? You just reached 30,000 square feet. <laughs> Smooth sailing. <laughs> you just broke through the, the turbulence. Yeah, and then guess what happened? You, you strengthen your spirit. And now the more you do that, the less you're likely to fall prey to these little emotional episodes that you get. And more likely, you become a more of a spirit being who lives out of your spirit than lives out of your soul. The best part about it is when you get to that, you begin to speak to your soul. When you don't get to that, your soul speaks to you. It always tells you its own version. It tells you, it's like a weather report. Every day it tells you what's going to happen. And then it tells you how bad everything is. And the soul, like, literally doesn't shut up. It's like, I didn't ask for your opinion. I know, but I just want to tell you. While I'm at it, you know, I really care for you. Yeah, I just really need to, it's a CNN, fake news. And so it gives you its report. But the moment you break through, guess what happens? You come and you start telling your soul. Remember how David did it. He says, oh, soul, why are you disquieted in me? I will yet praise. I will yet. It's interesting. He differentiates his spirit from his soul. He says, you're discouraged. You're disappointed. You're pissed you're angry you're cranky I will praise God and he tells his soul what's gonna happen what happened because the spirit took over otherwise when we don't live in that guys the soul constantly speaks to us and so there's that building of the spirit in prayer that happens regularly number uh, five is we pray through the scriptures through the script we pray this I'm sorry we pray the scriptures we pray the scriptures Remember how I mentioned how apostles got together and they prayed the scriptures. We pray the scriptures, especially when what God says and what we see contradicts. You pray through the scriptures. Lord, you are God who made heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. And by the mouth of your David's servant, you said. They're praying the scriptures. When there's a contradiction between what God said and what is happening, pray the scriptures. Pray the scriptures when you don't feel God. Pray the scriptures when it feels like so and so this and this when in the dark, the devil puts question mark what God revealed plainly in the light pray the scriptures when the What happened in Jordan? does not reflect what's happening in the wilderness now. You pray the scriptures. You take the scripture and you quote it back to God. You quote it back to yourself. You break it down. It's one of the best practices of prayer. Um, don't live praying problems all the time. Problems, the problem with problems is they're, they're there. They're, they, they, they're, they're always going to be there. And so just different problems. But scriptures will get you in the center of God's will. Pray the scriptures. I love reading through the scriptures. Something stands out to me. And then taking that on the bunny trail of just praying through the scriptures. Even though if it's completely not consistent right now with what I'm going through. It doesn't matter. What I'm going through, I'm always going to be going through something. But God's word, though, is, is the key. God's word, though, is what's supposed to form your thinking and your understanding. God's word is like a boat you get into when you start praying through the scriptures. Pray through the scriptures. And then the, the last one is that, um, and this is just just my uh, things, is that always run to secret place when you fall into secret sin. Run to secret place when you fall into secret sin. Run into secret place when you fall into secret sin. And that is, um, uh, go to God first when you commit sin. It's not that God didn't see anything. He saw everything, high definition, 4K. And uh, so he's not surprised, um, but he loves when we come and we tell him our side. Like, not an excuse, but, you know, when I like to use this example, and I've shared this many times, and I'll keep sharing till I die. When Adam committed sin, God's first question to Adam was not, why did you do it? God's first question was, where are you, Adam? In Genesis 3, 9. Meaning, Adam didn't show up. To prayer, to walk with God, his little cool of the day kind of a moment with him and the Lord, you know, coffee date with Jesus or however you want to label that, whatever that kind of helps you to understand that. But Adam didn't show up to that. And God shows up knowing full blown that Adam just participated in rebellion against him. He just literally believed the words of a serpent versus God's word. This would be a good moment. If I would have been God, I wouldn't be asking, where are you? I would say, why did you do it? I would shout out, knowing he can hear me clear and loud. <laughs> I mean, Adam wasn't deaf, okay? He was hiding right behind that bush. And so, so when God asked him, where are you? You know, it's just because Adam didn't hear it. God asked the question that Adam could hear. I love the fact that God does not ask Adam, why did you do it? He asked him, where are you? Meaning God was more interested why he didn't show up versus why he did it. Because God knew that Adam will commit sin. He foreknew giving them. Otherwise, it wouldn't say in Revelation, Jesus was slain before the foundations of this world. Jesus was already prepared. Everything was already intact. Everything was prepped. Adam didn't catch God nothing of surprise. That's why in Isaiah chapter one, it says, Come now and let us reason together. If your sins are like like scarlet, I'll make you as white as wool. If your sins are as red as crimson, he says, I'll make you white as snow. He says, if you're willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. Meaning God says, listen, just come. Let's talk together. You know? Tell me what happened. Why did you do it? (laughs) Now God will say, why did you do it? You know? (laughs) What happened to you? You know, what kind of stupidity got into your head and stuff? But talk to me. You know, let's, 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 because you'll, you'll walk out clean. You'll walk out forgiven. You'll walk out from the uh, washed. The moment we stay behind our baggage, behind our bushes, and we say, no, I can't do it today. Why? I'm going to brew in my guilt for one more day and then I'm going to come back tomorrow and just talk to God. The problem is that by tomorrow usually things get worse. So if you do something stupid, go to God right away because He doesn't just want us to trust Him with our um, good things. He wants us to trust Him with our sin and go to Him when we have secret sins and confess it to Him hey guys i hope you enjoyed this week's message if you like what you've heard you can find more of this great content on youtube facebook instagram twitter snapchat tiktok and even pinterest in other words we would love to connect with you for the latest and greatest info on all conferences and internships remember better is not good enough the best is yet to come